Hi everyone, welcome uh, to our final recruit uh, uh, podcast, barring something really crazy happening. Uh, I'm Bill DeFilippo, Matt DeBear is here, of course, Nick Polak is still uh, not able to join us because we're still talking about the guys who joined Penn State on National Signing Day, and no one in this class joined later than Maryland defensive back Tariq Castro-Fields. And what... Listen, while he did that, he is absolutely someone worth the wait. A four-star defensive back, the number 294 prospect in the country on 24-7 sports. Uh, Penn State actually has his height and weight at 6 foot 185. Uh, 24-7 sports has him at 6'1", 173. Let's hope the height is 24-7 and the weight is Penn State. Matt, like we said, it took him a while to make up his mind, and his recruitment was a wild and crazy ride. But in the end, it was all worth it. Absolutely, and it's um, not going to go back and rehash, you know, the first visit or anything like that, because the, the story kind of gets interesting in the last uh, two two and a half months of of the recruiting cycle, um, as Penn State's class was getting down to those precious few spots left. Um, Castro Fields really emerged as one of the top guys on the board. Um, and really, as they got into December, and there were only really only a couple spots left, he was the guy that they um, were making sure that there was going to be a spot for, regardless of decisions that other potential prospects made. Um, he took his official visit on January 13th and had actually set his commitment date. Um, I've drawn a blank on the actual date, but um, shortly after that, I believe it was about a week, just a, little, just a little over a week after that, he planned to make his announcement at his um, high school team banquet. And that the day of his announcement actually announced that he was going to postpone. Um, and at the time, going into that announcement or that initial planned announcement, the thought was that um, it was going to be Penn State. And the reason he had, been, he had waited as long as he had been is that Alabama, um, who had offered him and had really stuck with him to some degree, um, you know, it wasn't getting the full court press, wasn't getting Nick Saban coming to visit uh, Maryland, but um, was certainly a guy that Alabama was keeping their eye on. Um, and it was a thought that he was holding out hope that there might be a spot opening up down there for him in, in that loaded Alabama class. Um, what actually ended up changing is, um, from all indications, is um, Dan, uh, the Maryland coaching staff got a hold of him and started giving him reason to rethink uh, leaving home to play for Penn State and to consider the Terrapins one more time. And so he really took the last week, week and a half of the whole cycle to um, really evaluate Penn State versus Maryland. And I think the most interesting part of the whole thing is the last, I don't know, six hours or so on on signing day, um, like we just talked about with Corey Bolds, when he got his offer and committed virtually on the spot, a lot of the talk was he was getting the scholarship that um, was being held for Castro Fields, and that the assumption was he was going to Maryland. Um, in fact, a good friend of, of ours at the site, uh, Sean Fitz, who writes for Lions 247, um, had actually switched his crystal ball from Penn State to Maryland the the day uh, on signing day, um, just a couple days ago as we were recording this. Um, actually, just yesterday as we were recording this, just come to think of it. And within a couple hours, I believe he switched to what the, uh, their site refers to as cloudy, which pretty much means we have no idea what's going on. Um, and there was all sorts of mixed signals from both sides, and um, including the, the drama went up right up to the very end when the, uh, the live stream on Nax Preps, uh, the well-known high school football site, 
uh, was, was overloaded or crashed. It was being or, filmed with a potato. That was the big problem. Um, I was not able to watch it as I was I was traveling for work that day, but um, he, it was it was just kind of the 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 drama going out to the very end, and really for the first time in in recent memory, Penn State had a little bit of that signing day drama. Um, but as we all know by now, of course, uh, Castro Fields opted to sign with. Penn State over Maryland um, and Alabama too, which was the third school in his, in his final three. Yeah, and like, I know that as Penn Staters, we all like it when national signing. We usually like it when national signing day is as drama free as possible. I mean, think back to uh, think back to twenty sixteen where Andrew Pritz. Uh, that's how you pronounce his last name, right? That is it. Yes. Where you know. He he's real. He's not feeling Penn State, and then Penn State makes a push, and he commits to Penn State, and everything is great. And then we start hearing a few rumblings that he wants to flip to Stanford, and then we go into National Signing Day, going, "Okay, at least he hasn't. He has not flipped. We have no reason to." And then he puts a Stanford hat on his head. Like that was horrible. This almost felt like Penn State was on the other side because, like you mentioned, when Castro Fields was set to announce off of his official visit, it was it. I don't want to say a foregone conclusion that he was going to pick Penn State, but we had every reason to believe that he was going to end up in Happy Valley. But he decided, listen, he wanted to wait. He wanted to think it through a little bit more. He wanted to weigh the merits of uh, Penn State versus Maryland. And give DJ Durkin all the credit in the world, because he and his staff, I, I mean, to go from out of it to, listen, it sounds like he's going to end up going there to just barely losing out on a kid in a week to the team that won your division and won your conference. That's admirable. It didn't end up being enough, but it was a, like they put in the legwork and it just, listen, it just sometimes doesn't work out for teams. So this was a big one for Penn State. Uh, I don't think I need to remind anyone, but while Penn State's defensive backs in this class, uh, well, my, well, I don't want to say defensive backs. I want to say cornerbacks because uh, Castro Fields is almost certainly going to be a cornerback. Lamont Wade, Donovan Johnson, and DJ Brown are, I mean, we think they have pretty bright futures ahead of them. I don't think I need to mention that we say that with an understanding that none of them are exactly giants. Like Wade is listed at five foot nine. This is off their 24 7 heights. Wade is five foot nine. Uh, Johnson is five foot ten. Brown is five foot eleven. That's not bad, uh, especially with Brown. But to get a really talented cornerback in, like Castro Fields, who is six feet six one, something like that. This goes back to really the inconvenient truth about being in the Big Ten, which is you need to build a football team that is designed to beat Ohio State. And Ohio State, while guys like Lamont Wade, guys like Donovan Johnson, guys like John Reed and Grant Haley, Penn State has guys that can, you know, play defensive back against their receivers very well. Ohio State has a large, large receiving core, especially in this class between the six foot three Trayvon Grimes and the six foot five Jalen Harris. So for Penn State to get a cornerback with some size in, that's big. That is something they really, <coughs> no, excuse me, really needed and. Fortunately, they got it in a guy who was also pretty talented. I mean, there was one absurd stat that I believe Derek LeVars tweeted out uh, that 
during his senior year, Castro Fields did not allow a single reception, which apparently he played safety and linebacker when he was in a, I mean, during his senior year, which, cool. I mean, if you allow zero receptions over the course of an entire football season, if someone literally throws a football at you and there is a, like, it's literally not going to be completed because you just don't allow that to happen, that is a testament to how good you can be. And Castro Fields, his upside is really, really good. He's a, not the fastest dude on earth, uh, 20, uh, not 24-7, ESPN has him as a 4-7-1. He's a quarterback who can lock dudes down. He's a very smart football player. He is has the size to go up against bigger receivers. And yeah, I, I think that, Matt, when we were looking at all the targets that Penn State had on the final day, um, of course, I think we all, uh, Mark Webb was probably Penn State's number one target heading into the final 24 hours, but Castro Fields was right there with him. For sure, and I think um, you touched on the reason why is he's so different than the other three cornerbacks in the class. Um, he's got that size. Um, he's got good length. Um, you know, six one, big long arms. Just kind of that. The really only the only other cornerback on the roster um, right now for Penn State, not even into this recruiting class, that has the size that Castro Fields does is Garrett Taylor, um, who we really haven't seen a whole lot as he um, recovered from an ACL injury. Um, during a redshirt year and then um, really you know, starting to see the field just a little bit this year as a redshirt freshman. He's really the only other player that has the body type that Castro Fields does, which I think is the, the, the reason or, or one of the biggest reasons, at least, why he was such a, a high priority for the staff. Um, and I think, too, he, um, he's just, like you said, a solid football player. Um, for a guy that plays, you mentioned he plays safety and linebacker, but when you project him as a cornerback at the next level, um, he brings that, that safety and linebacker mindset to the cornerback position. He's a physical guy, um, you know, is a, is a solid tackler, which you don't, um, you don't expect from, from a defensive back in a lot of cases, but because of his experience, um, playing at upper Marlboro, uh, or Riverdale Baptist, I should say he's from upper Marlboro. Um, it really allows him to bring a more aggressive mindset to, um, run support from the cornerback position. Um, it allows you to do some different things defensively too, I'm sure. Um, so he's, he's an intriguing prospect for all the, all the obvious reasons that he's, you know, talented, um, you know, really athletic, all, you know, all those things that he checks all those boxes. Um, but he brings such a unique skill set to the table um, on top of all that. Yeah. And as for when he could play because of the skill set that he brings in, uh, because like you said, Penn state doesn't really have, uh, another defensive back on the roster with similar uh, length and uh, just the ability to man up bigger dudes. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays right away. Um, I think that a, a fair amount of this depends on whether or not Garrett Taylor, uh, if Garrett Taylor is able to play and he's able to be the uh high four-star recruit that he was uh, prior to suffering a knee injury during his senior year of high school. That kind of changes things up a little bit. But if not, you know what? I think it's totally possible that he plays. And doing this allows them, if they want, if they're a little bit 
uh, concerned about the option, what they have at safety, this lets them move a Christian Campbell or a Garrett Taylor or a Amari Oruwarie uh, to safety, put Marcus Allen next to that kind of a center fielder type of dude, and just let him run around and hit some people. So I love the flexibility that Castro Fields provides to Penn State's defensive backfield. And I think he's he is going to be a guy that we look back on uh, and he's going to make one or two really big plays, I think, at one point during his Penn State career. And when he does them, we're all going to go, man, he was absolutely the kind of guy worth waiting for. So, Matt, can you think of anything else you want to say about him? No, I, th- I think you really hit on it. I think, like you said, he's I don't. I, I'm going to project or predict he's not going to play as a freshman, but that defensive back position is one spot where the transition learning curve isn't as steep as some other positions from high school to college, and because he's got kind of the unique skill set, unique body type um, among the defensive backfield at Penn State, he if he comes in and proves he he's ready to play, he'll certainly get that shot. There's just a lot of guys that he's going to have to to prove he's better than that. Uh, have more experience as well um, before he gets that opportunity. Yeah, and whenever he gets it, again, he's a really talented dude, so I think we all expect that he'll make the best of his opportunity. And Matt, with that, I believe we're done. We are done. That is it for the uh, the 21 members of the Penn State Class of 2017 podcast. Yes, we did 21 of these individual ones. We're going to have a 22nd one uh, where we look back on this class as a whole. Uh, And we also take a little bit of a look to the 2018 class, which as of right now um, is incredible. And by the time we record that and put it out, we're recording this uh, a few hours after Charlie Katcher committed to Penn State. But there's a chance that the next couple of days, if some other dudes are able to commit, this class is going to get even better. So hopefully by the time we're talking then, we're talking about a class that has an even bigger vice grip on the number one spot in the country. So... Yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to all of these. Again, buy shirts, follow us, social media, all that. For Matt DeBear and for Nick Pollock, who couldn't make these, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.